0: Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. As you're considering your plans for next year, we wanted to let you know TBC is embarking on a Journeys of Paul tour July 7 through 16, 2024. We'll step into history and walk where the Apostle Paul walked as we visit Philippi, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, and many other meaningful locations. This tour will bring the scriptures to life with worship services and Bible studies with Pastor Jim. You can learn more at the villagechapel.com/tour. This week we continue our study of the Gospel of Mark. Now, here's Jim. It had been a long
1: day of teaching for Jesus. The crowds had pressed in his his back was toward the Sea of Galilee, and he literally steps into a boat and shoves off just a little way from the shore to finish his teaching as the sun is going down. And so there's hundreds, possibly thousands of people on the shore there, and he's, he's sort of exhausted, tired, and the boat belongs to some of his disciples, who most of you will remember were professional fishermen. So as he uses their boat as his pulpit to finish preaching and teaching through the the parables that we just studied through, at one point he turns to them and he says, all right, It's time to go to the other side. And that's where we're gonna pick up at Mark chapter four, verses 35 to 41. This is one of the most action-packed handful of verses in all of Mark's gospel. So we move out of a segment that's been about content and teaching and the teaching approach of Jesus using parables, now to one of the most impressive miracles of Jesus. Watch what happens. On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. And I, Mark's the only one that says that, that there's this small armada of boats that'll be going along with them as they cross over the Sea of Galilee. And I, I think that's fascinating. They're all a part of this whole thing. They all want to go with him, right? Verse 37 says, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. And that's fascinating. Sea of Galilee is like that, though. It sits mm, 700 feet, I think it is, 680 feet, 700 feet below sea level. And where that means the water will be kind of warm by being down in a well like that in the earth. But Mount Hermon sits to the north, 25, maybe 30 miles to the north, and often is snow-capped. So cold air will often be coming down Mount Hermon and, and coming out across the Sea of Galilee. When cold air hits warm water, it's a recipe for a sudden storm. And that's exactly what has happened here. And Mark is careful to tell us that it's got, it begins with a windstorm, a great windstorm. So above the water arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so above you got this howling hurricane tornado you know tornado type wind and then you have these waves that are already sloshing so hard that they it comes up really fast and the the water is cresting over top of the edge of the boat and the boat is filling up and they're literally seeing their lives pass before them these are professional fishermen this was their boat it's their tools their their boat out on the Sea of Galilee that they're on all the time. These guys knew what they were doing, probably felt like could get Jesus, you take a nap, we got this one, um, we'll, we'll get you across there safely. And they're all sort of in charge, but now this sudden storm has come up and the boat was being swamped. Where was Jesus during all of this? Verse 38, he, Jesus, was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. <laughs> so there you go. I love that. So uh, I don't know if you've ever thought to yourself in your prayers, uh, "I'm going through this storm, Lord. Do you even know what's going on?" Hey God, hey, hey God, can you can you see what's going on? Do you? Hey God, do you know? Are you aware of what's going on down here? And that's kind of what was happening with these guys. He was asleep on the cushion in the stern, and they woke him up. And I wonder how many of the um, the armada of other boats. You know, as the disciples, professional fishermen are trying to do this on their own. We got this one. You know, we're professionals. And some of the other boat guys are going like, wake up, Jesus, yelling it or, you know, in some way trying to do sign language or something. You've got the Messiah in your boat. Do something, you know. So they finally turn to him. They wake him up and they said to him, here it says, verse 38, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? You know, it's interesting. They didn't say grab an oar. (laughs) they didn't say help us trim the sails they they no 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 they said teacher first of all which I think is respectful Uh, but don't you care that we're going to die and again I think we can all relate to that prayer sometimes if you're really honest don't you say to God where are you do you know what's going on down here are you asleep and then we even get to the place where we go, God, don't you care what's going on? Now, being honest here, I have thought that that in my prayers. I've even said that. I love the Psalms for that—the honesty before God. How long, O oh Lord, will you wait? Um, I waited. I waited. You know, how long, O oh Lord? And and all these these laments and these cries for help in the book of Psalms is so helpful to us when we either have to go through storms or, or face giants in our life. So these guys turn to Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And what's Jesus' response? Well, verse 39 tells us, he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, I would have expected an answer. Don't you care that we're dying? Or I would have been holding out an oar or something, you know, just trying to get him to do it my way, you know, which we're often doing in our prayers as well. We prescribe to the almighty God of the universe who created everything that exists. Hey, Lord, if you'd just do it this way in this timing, uh, that I think, Lord, if you could bring this about, you know, so we make these really specific requests of the Lord to do it our way. And instead, he didn't even answer them here. Uh, Don't you care that we're going to die, teacher? Well, he got up and I kind of imagine he stretched, maybe "Ah," yawned because he had been sleeping, but he rebuked the wind and he said to sea, silence, be still in the the Greek. Be still is just one Greek word, phimu, I think it is. And um, it literally is like he's saying to the the wind and to the sea itself, zip it, stop, you know, like that. And uh, so what happens? Mark tells us, the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And Mark is so good at this, isn't he? In other words, the wind just shuts down from howling. You know, I don't know how, how fast the wind was going, but let's call it like a tornado or like a hurricane. Like when you see all those reporters, you know, standing at 45 degree angle while the wind is blowing them and their clothes are blowing the other way, you know, pinned to their body and their toupee flies off or whatever. And you just, it's just one of those kind of howling winds and it immediately stopped. And the waves that were splashing up over the top of the boat. No, 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 no. They've, they've come immediately. It's calm. It's like a glassy sea. And I've been over at the Sea of Galilee before when it's been a glassy sea. It's really beautiful. Thankfully, I haven't been in one of the storms, but I have seen it when it's mirror like. And you, if you're, if you're, like, we, one time we were, we were standing on the uh, uh, western side of the Sea of Galilee looking over on a bright, beautiful day, looking over the glassy Sea of Galilee uh, toward the eastern side. And you could see the reflection of the mountain range on that, that's on the eastern side. You could see it down in the water. It's amazing. And that's what Mark is basically saying happened. Is it is like a uh, the wind stops, the waves stop immediately, and that just blows my mind too. Because how many gallons of water, and how long does it take the sloshing back and forth of water that much water to come to a stop? Well, it takes it takes a lot of time if it's done on its own. It only takes a second when Jesus says, "Be still," and that's what Mark tells us right there. Well, then Jesus says to the disciples, and you could just see them, their mouths hanging open. They're all still holding their oars, their hairs drenched wet, their clothes are probably half ripped off by the wind and all that sort of thing. They've been yelling and screaming at each other all along the way, and and they're just dripping with water and all that sort of thing. And Jesus turns to them, and he said to them, "'Why are you afraid?' Do you still have no faith? I'll remind you that all of Jesus' questions are rhetorical. He always is asking a question so that we will think. In other words, there's nothing he doesn't know we we know this repeatedly. We, we see him able to discern what's going on in someone's heart and mind, what their motives are. And yet here he's asking these guys questions so that they'll think about what they're doing and what their disposition of their heart is. He says, why are you afraid? And you know, so often he's saying, do not be afraid. But here, why are you afraid? And then, <laughs> do you still have no faith? Uh, where's your faith? What? What's your faith in? And I think so often that if if we were honest, if we were those disciples and we were honest, we would have to say our faith was in our boat. No, no, I'm sorry. Let me take a step back. Our faith was in our ability to control our boat. And then it was in our boat. And then it was in our ability to, um, you know, be smart enough and wise enough in our own skill, our own knowledge, our own experiential knowledge of how to navigate a storm we'd done 100 times. And now this one was so great, such a, such a powerful storm that these guys had just their minds blown by the fact that Jesus with just his words could literally shut down the wind and make the sea calm immediate, like, immediately like that. Well, verse 41 is really to me one of the most beautiful verses in the entire book of Mark. They were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. And see, I've been saying over and over again, I think this is what Mark's gospel is all about. It's getting us to the place where we ask the question, who is Jesus? And these disciples are now asking that. And they're we have, we have to give them time. They're learning about who he is, just like we are still learning about who he is. And there's so much to learn. One of the things they're learning is that he had power over the sea and over the wind that day. And so they're connecting it. His identity, the identity of Jesus, the answer to the question who Jesus is, is wrapped up in this whole event here, this miracle he just performed. And this miracle he just performed is the kind of miracle that only God could perform. Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Oh, wow, so so powerful. What do we learn here? Well, let me just give you three highlight points if you if you don't mind. Number one, that following Jesus doesn't mean we will always have smooth sailing. Yeah, that's true. Who came up with the idea to get in the boat that night? It was Jesus. So it was his idea to get in the boat and to go out on the Sea of Galilee to cross to the other side. And they will indeed cross to the other side. There, there's in the Upcoming episodes, we'll see that that happens. But nonetheless, it's Jesus that said, let's cross the sea tonight. Um, So following Jesus doesn't mean we will always have smooth sailing. Um, It was his idea to get in the boat. Oh, here's another question. Where were the disciples when this storm happened? Well, they were right where they were supposed to be. What were the disciples doing when this happened? Well, they were doing exactly what Jesus had told them to do. So this was the disciples at the right place, doing the right thing? Yeah, that's right. So following Jesus doesn't mean you're always going to have smooth sailing. Jesus is ultimately in charge, and part of the agenda of Jesus is to grow us, to mature us, if you will, in our faith and our hope and our trust and our knowledge of who he is. That's why throughout the Bible, we see storms um, as a method or a means of, of that God uses. Uh, in the Old Testament, for instance, with Jonah the prophet, the prodigal prophet, as Tim Keller calls him with the book that uh, Tim wrote before he went home to be with the Lord, a uh, book called Pro- Prodigal Prophet, such a great book. You gotta, you gotta read that sometime. But um, the, the, the storm in the life of the prophet Jonah was a storm of correction. I think this one in this passage here is a storm of perfection. So storm of correction for Jonah, God says to Jonah, go preach in Nineveh. That's, that's north and east. And instead, the, the prodigal prophet Jonah goes south and west to Joppa, and, and he boards a ship to, to, to go away from, way away from Nineveh. He doesn't wanna to go to preach to the Ninevites, the pagans, the, the terrorists of his time. He doesn't want them to repent. He doesn't want God to save them. And so he goes the other way. And so God sends a storm of correction and corrects the path, the direction, the course, of Jonah, and, and heads him back the other way. Here, I really think this is a storm of perfection. And it's uh, it reminds me of a quote of C.S. Lewis uh, in The Problem of Pain, which is an excellent book, by the way, um, where Lewis says, and it's, it's pretty famous, you may have heard it before, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And when we encounter storms in life, it's true. It does seem like the Lord awakens us. Think back to some of the great tragedies uh, that have happened during your lifetime or my lifetime. Um, those events, sometimes global or sometimes just personal, but that all of a sudden turned our attention back to the Lord. And I think it's true. I think Lewis is onto something there. It's, these can be God's megaphone to rouse, to awaken us. In other words, we're the ones who are asleep, but not because we're resting. No, just because we've drifted, spiritually speaking. Jesus in this particular storm is asleep in the back of the boat, just another sign that this just doesn't bother him. Um, With his simple speaking to the wind and the waves, he can calm it all. Uh, but that matures their faith, their understanding of who of who Jesus uh, was, as He was right there with them, as they were following Him and learning who He was and and what it meant to follow Him. So, following Jesus doesn't always mean smooth sailing. Secondly, following Jesus does mean that we always have a Savior to turn to. I mean, what would happen if they didn't have Jesus in their boat that night? I can we can only imagine, of course. Um, But likely, uh, as we're told here, their boat was already filling up with water and going down. And uh, so they likely would have become one more boat at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. But they had a Savior to turn to. They had someone they could turn to who could actually make a difference. Um, And sometimes, I think it's true, the Lord will take us into an area where we think we know it all or we believe we've got it under control. And then he comes along and shakes things up, um, shakes them up, and at the same time, though, proves to us that he's trustworthy, even if or when we cannot tell what he's up to, whether he's awake, whether he's aware of what's going on in our lives. Uh, I often find myself... um, uh, not understanding God's pacing or God's choice or of path. And yet in, in hindsight, you know, I can look back like these guys. I can look at verse 41 here and go, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him." And they probably looked back on that moment many times and said, oh, yeah, we know the answer now, don't we? Well, all the way back in Isaiah. Uh, the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the children of Israel said, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That from Isaiah forty-one ten. This will be in the show notes. And uh, if you have access to those, uh, if not, go to the villagechapel.com and you can find them on our website there. And verse Uh, verses one, two, and three of of Isaiah 43, um, the prophet is, is, uh, the Lord speaking through the prophet goes on to say this, do not fear, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. So God makes a claim on you and on me. We belong not to ourselves, not to the culture, not to our passions or desires. We belong to the Lord. We are not our own. We belong to the Lord. And that's a, that's there's such great freedom uh, in all of that when you get down to it. Even in the greatest storms of life, we have a Savior we can turn to, who is none other than the Son of God. And Jesus has absolute sovereign power and authority over all of His creation, including every disease, every demon, every disaster, and even death itself. In other words, if the disease physically kills us, or if the disaster takes us. If their boat went down, they still belong to the Lord. And all of eternity, um, they belong to the Lord. They will rise in newness of life. That's the promise of scripture. We will rise just as Jesus rose from his tomb. He will do the same thing to my grave that he did to his grave. He will literally rip it open, And raise me to new life and do the same for you as well. Elizabeth Elliot, such a fountain of wisdom. She once said, God is God. Because he is God, he is worthy of my trust and obedience. I will find rest nowhere but in his holy will that is unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what he is up to. I wish Elizabeth Elliot had been in the boat with those disciples when they were going, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? She would have said, he's Jesus. He is the son of God. And she's Her her writings are just brilliant. If you ever get a chance to read uh, one of her books, Um, the first point was that following Jesus doesn't mean you'll always have smooth sailing. The second was following Jesus does mean you'll always have a savior to turn to. Thirdly, When you have a healthy fear of God, you don't need to have an unhealthy fear of anything else. I think that's so important for us to be reminded of over and over and over again. And again, that's why God and Jesus and all the messengers, the angels that he sends to speak to humanity, um, uh, say things like, do not fear, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of anything else. And at the same time, Like in the book of Proverbs, the theme for the whole book is Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You want knowledge, wisdom, and instruction? It begins with the fear of the Lord. So when you have a healthy fear of the Lord, you don't need to have an unhealthy fear of any storm, uh, of, of your boat going down, of any disease, of any giant you have to face, no matter what. Why? Because your Father who art in heaven, you belong to him. Yeah. And Jesus has already done everything necessary for you to know and be reassured that you have eternal life in his name so you can trust in him. One of my favorite hymns that we sing at the village chapel is kind of an updated version of an old hymn called How Firm a Foundation. We do it. I think the title that we have for it is Jesus Firm Foundation. The lyrics were believed to have been written all the way back in the 18th century, I think it is by, I uh, I think his name's George Keith or something like that. The arrangement is by our own uh, creative uh, TVC worship team. But listen listen to the lyrics of that hymn as I just read these for you. I got a couple more minutes. I just wanna close out with this. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in God's excellent word. What more can be said than to you God has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be near thee, thy troubles to bless, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials my thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine, the soul that on Jesus hath le- hath leaned for repose, I will not. I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never. No, never. No, never forsake. It's oh, just such a beautiful hymn. I'll I'll post that on the show notes as well and. You jump on the villagechapel.com and you can find uh, a lot of the worship music that our uh, our team at the Village Chapel have put together. There's lots of videos there on our YouTube channel and you can you can probably find that song there as well and the, the sort of uh, updated version of it. Well, I want to close with the John Ortberg quote. This will be my last thought and then I'll close in prayer. Uh, he said this in his book, uh, if you want to walk on water, you're going to have to get out of the boat. Um, he said, peace doesn't come from finding a lake with no storms. It comes from having Jesus in the boat. He's right there. Yeah. Lord, uh, this day, I pray that we would go about our business um, cruising around in our daily boat, whatever that might be, mindful of your presence with us, Lord, that we would turn to you first, not last, that we would turn to you in everything, that we would fix our eyes on you, the author, and yes, the perfecter of our faith. Whether we're in a storm or calm seas, uh, whether we're experiencing great joy, or whether we're struggling with some kind of despair, some kind of uh, doubt, whatever it might be, Lord, may it turn us, whatever storm we're facing, whatever giant we're facing, Lord, may they serve the purpose of turning us you pray this in Jesus name and for sake amen and amen God bless you have a great day
0: thanks for listening to today's study take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family you can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media at the village chapel we believe God's word is unique in its source timeless in its truth broad in its reach and transforming in its power For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.